for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. fired up after that I don't I don't know what's going on good stuff I had some coffee but that's even that's way even better I uh, wanted to say this too you know the Bible says God's enthroned in the praises of Israel of his people so that diamond as you as you yes I see the if you need uh, notes raise your wave your hand we won't it's not going to be like a class but it'll help you to follow along and study later so keep your hands up, and we'll get those out to you. But yeah, whenever you worship, that diamond comes down. That's a great picture, Kyle, of the diamond of God's, uh, the many facets of God's presence. <clears throat> I love doing this. We overcome, Revelation 12 says, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We're going to look at the bread and cup of communion today in a few minutes the blood of the lamb, we're also going to, we also overcome when we hear testimony. So I'm going to ask Karen Hartnett if you would come up and she's going to give a brief testimony of something the Lord's done in her life. Um, Because when you hear this, it's like Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he, what he's done for you, hopefully will build our faith to receive even more. Amen. Thank you, Karen, for doing this. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. Can y'all hear me okay? Okay. Well, uh, last year I was experiencing a tremendous amount of back pain. And um, I never went to the doctor, but I kept telling my husband, uh, you know, something really is wrong with me. I don't know what it is. I didn't know if I might have MS. But I figured out I through Google, and I did a lot of research on Google, that I might have had something called fibromyalgia. And it was, I was in excruciating pain. And it would come and go. It was like something was attacking my spine. My whole spine would burn. And, um, you know, I, God has called me into the health and wellness space. And I was like having a conversation with the Lord one day. And I was like, this isn't making sense, God. I mean, how am I going to carry out the, the vision and the purpose that you have for my life if I'm in uh, pain and I can't even go to church and, and I can't do these things that you have called me to? So um, what happened is I had a lot of um, just attack happen to me through my family members and over the last year. And I had had already forgiven them, <laughs> basically, but then the attacks came back, and I didn't realize that um, I hadn't fully forgiven them. I was just really surviving at this point. But one day I was in my house, and uh, the Lord started just hitting my spirit. The Holy Spirit was just hitting my spirit, and all I can say, it was like fireworks going off, and I saw the people that had brought the attacks against me, and the Lord said, forgive them, and it was just one after another after another, and I started forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. I think I even forgave my dog, 
<laughs> so even like at the end of the night, I was still forgiving. <laughs> and so um, what happened is the more I forgave, the freer I got. The pain went away, and it was so awesome. And then what happened is I started working out. I've been in the gym since I was 18 years old. And, um, you know, I, I was ecstatic. It was just such uh, a gift. And went to the gym, and then a week or two weeks went by, and then I started noticing a little pain in my right hip. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> who didn't I forgive, you know? <laughs> so so uh, I had been... <laughs> so I had been searching for a church. I wanted something close because I live in Dripping Springs, and uh, not, nothing really connected with me there. And so I woke up, and I felt good enough to go to church, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to River in the Hills Church. And so, but before I went, I was in my kitchen, and I grabbed the, the Icy Hot to put on my hip. And I was like, no, I'm not going to grab that icy hot because I want to know when the Lord heals me. So I came to church, Pastor Glenn, he had calling for nerve pain, and I was the first one to raise my hand. And um, I think it was Lindsay who prayed for me. And she goes, do you feel anything? And I was like, well, it feels like someone put icy hot on my hip. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So I want to leave you with a scripture um, today. And after all this happened, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I came across uh, Pastor Derek Prince saying, I believe if you do not forgive your brothers and sisters in Christ, then God will deliver you to the torturers. So I want to, I, so I want to leave you with this scripture scripture and it says and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses so i'm you know there is often a connection between unforgiveness and physical pain. And um, God taught me a huge lesson in that, um, what I experienced. But, you know, it was, it, you know, it really comes down to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. That's what it is. It's his goodness. Praise All God. Right? And you're still healed. Oh, yeah. Still oh, yeah. healed. Oh, yeah. Yes. The amazing part is um, I've been working out since I was 18, and I told my husband, I'm not getting sore. Glory. I, I mean, I, it's been over two years since I've fully worked out. I'm not getting sore. I'm lifting just as much as Praise I was God. in my 20s, which is a real miracle. Praise real. God. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pretty Thank you, Lord. I'm Thank pretty you ecstatic. so much for that. <laughs> wow. Bless you. Mm. You know, I think, <clears throat> I think I don't get sore from working out because I don't work out hard enough. So mine's in a, I'm in a different world there. But, uh, but I, I do think it's, I'm just kind of blown away right now because I didn't, we weren't sure when Karen would be here and she didn't know I'm talking about forgiveness today. 
And then this whole thing, this whole thing is the Lord's orchestrating this. I was, last uh, week, <clears throat> I was in Manitoba, Canada at Rachel and Paul Penner's church. Rachel used to be our worship leader. It was 15 degrees out with a 40-mile-an-hour wind. They call those clippers up there. You learn, oh, cold, oh, I, I can't even talk Canadian, but it was, it was, yeah. But we had a great time, three days of meetings, and the Lord really connected our hearts with Hope Church in uh, Steinbach, Manitoba. Let's just pray for them and for us right now. The prayers I pray every day for us, except Sundays, because I'm busy. But um, Father, I thank you. We lift up this church, your church, River in the Hills. I lift up New Life Church in Corpus Christi, and I lift up Hope Church in Steinbach, Manitoba. Lord, you're connecting different ones in the body of Christ. I thank you now. May they, as well as us, may we enjoy and step into a, a season of your peace, being strengthened by your spirit, even today, peace, strength, new levels of walking in the fear of the Lord, and great, great increase of gifts of encouragement by you, Holy Spirit. We thank you now. We ask that we would go up at once and take possession of, as all, of all the promises you have for us. May we go up at once in Jesus' name. Would you speak to us now? May we receive and step out into all that you have for us today in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, you got your notes. <clears throat> I want to talk about uh, some things, some final words Jesus said from the cross as we head into Easter uh, and the Passover season and, and all of that. You know, how many of you remember, uh, parents, you remember the first words your children uttered? Okay, I'm, I'm not quite, you know, they're all kind of sound the same. It's like, it's like, gah, gah, or bah. Uh, I remember uh, Nate's son, Zeke, when he was just starting to speak, he would, he would just go around and go, bah, bah. And Nate, Nate said to Suzanne, he goes, he speaks bah. So that's, that was his interpretation. That was really funny when I heard it, and I'm sure you're laughing inside, but. Nate's a funny guy. He's watching from California, hopefully. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, you, parents have a unique way of interpreting what their children say, too. I'm like, Brooke, how did you know that's what Briggs was saying? Uh, you know, I remember Mike Bickle when his son Luke was just learning to talk. He's like, he goes into his wife, Diane, he goes, man, Diane, he's already saying Bible and Jesus, and she's like, relax, Mike, he, he's, he's, he's saying bottle and juice, <laughs> Bo bottle, because he's thirsty, now go get him a bottle, you know, so, so our first words are pretty similar, but our final words are very different. There are many times they're based on how we live our life, the last words of someone. Uh, I know of many strong believers who, in their last days, their final words, they would utter words of, of peace and hope and thankfulness. Um, 
whereas for those who are, are you looking for a hum, Justin? There's a hum, there's a baptismal hum, and then there's a projector hum, and let's all hum now, let's all hmm. No, we're not, no, we're not going there. Can you edit that from the live? I knew they were a weird church, I knew it. Keep, yeah, anyway. Keep us holy. All right. So um, <clears throat> anyway, so the last words, are, you know, godly people, their words are hope and thankfulness. And unlike certain people like David Hume, the Scottish philosopher who is a, a secular humanist, he, his last words, I am in the flames. Can you show his picture up there? David Hume said that. <clears throat> Voltaire the French writer who was pivotal in, in he wrote the, the work Candide and other works that sparked the French Revolution in the 1700s. Voltaire said, I am abandoned by God and by man. I shall go to hell. Gandhi, widely recognized around the world as this spiritual man. You know what his last words were? My days are numbered. For the first time in 50 years, I find myself in the slough of all about me is darkness. I am praying for the light. Now, I don't know if Gandhi ever found Jesus, but that's the reality <clears throat> of a life apart from Christ. <clears throat> so today, I want us to look at the last words, some of the last words of Jesus shortly before he died and then rose again. And they're not long statements, as we can understand. That's understandable because of the excruciating pain that Jesus was undergoing on the cross. You can take that down now. Thank you. The word excruciating itself even comes from the Latin cross, crux, C-R-U-X. He was under going <clears throat> excruciating pain. He hung on the cross for six hours from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. For the first three hours, he, th there was nine till noon, and then so for the last three hours, it was darkness that covered the earth. Medical people say that the Roman form of crucifixion would cause the muscles of the upper body to become paralyzed. And so, you couldn't, it was hard to breathe. You couldn't even, you couldn't take a breath without pulling yourself up with the spikes in your wrist to go. <gasps> and you can't talk <clears throat> without making, without releasing air. It has to go through the vocal cords to vibrate. And so Jesus wasn't this calm, Father, forgive them. It was, <gasps> those were his final words. Through that kind of agony, in the midst of that agony, he makes these seven statements. <clears throat> Warren Wearsby, the a Christian theologian for the last 50 years, he said, these seven statements Jesus made from the cross are windows into the heart of God. And it's so important that we see more and more the heart of God because that's how we're transformed. 
I have a, a favorite set in the prayer room this week. It hit me, it marked me, and so I've played it 20 times since Thursday at 2 p.m. It's Olivia Buckles, ihopkc.org. You can log on to it. She says, at the writing of your word upon my heart, I'm transformed by your love. At the writing of your word upon my heart, I'm transformed by your love. We are transformed by what the word of God shows us it is the reality of knowing the heart of God. And so we're going to, these are windows into his heart. And uh, it's interesting that he makes these from the cross. Colossians 3.10 says that we are transformed, we're renewed according to understanding the heart of God. It says that according to understanding the image of him, who created us. And so, as he's from the cross, he's making these final statements. While he's doing his greatest work, taking on the sin of the whole world, he's uttering these statements. Here's what happened. As I <clears throat> said earlier, he, he was hung on the cross at 9 a.m., and for three hours, he made three statements. Then there was three hours of darkness, and there were, after the three hours of darkness, he uttered four more statements. I wanted today, before we receive communion, I want to talk about two statements that he made. One, I believe it was the first, as soon as he was either on the ground, nailed to the cross, or hoisted up in the ground, it was his, his first statement was right away as he, as he hung there. And then I want us to look at a statement related to it at the, the end today. This, they're both related to communion, to the elements and the benefits that the bread and the cup of communion are picturing all the benefits available to us. So these two statements are related to allowing us to see the, the, the amazing things that are available to us. And I believe they'll build our faith <clears throat> to receive whatever need you have today. I'm hoping that in the next few minutes you'll have, a, you'll have a great confidence that the remedy to whatever your need is today has been met by Jesus on the cross. But it takes faith to reach out and receive by faith what he has. He's got a banqueting table for us but it doesn't really do us any good if we don't eat from it. So hopefully this will, <clears throat> will help us to do that. The first statement that Jesus made was an appeal for forgiveness. It's a, it's a window into the heart of God related to how he wants to forgive sin. It's found in Luke 23, verses 33 and 34. It says, and when they had come <clears throat> to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals. Isn't it interesting it just says they crucified him? It's just the master of understatement. It could have gone into this whole graphic thing. It's just one on the right hand, one, but yeah, <laughs> all right. I'm going to stay focused on this. It's kind of interesting, I find, when, when you talk about the cross 
our minds. So even right now, Lord, I thank you for focus. We will not be distracted. In Jesus' name. So they were crucified. I mean, excuse me. There they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the other on the left, they were crucified next to him. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now that is something where we see when he made this statement, Jesus was asking the Father to forgive those who were crucifying him, and he was asking the Father to forgive those who were shouting at him while he was hanging there. And also we see this great truth when he says, Father, forgive them. We see this great truth that God is willing to forgive all who have sinned. That's me and you. That's so amazing that Karen gave this testimony about forgiveness because this is, this is revealing when Jesus said this, this reveals God's heart. You know, the Lord's Prayer. It's also a solemn charge for us. Not only was Jesus saying, I'm forgiving all of you who are crucifying me, but for those who follow Jesus, this is a, a, a solemn charge for us to do the same for people who do us wrong. You know, Jesus even said, they asked Jesus in Matthew 6, teach us to pray. He said, here's one of the things you pray. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So Jesus led the way from the cross as he was gasping for air to make this statement. So if you think about it, it's actually a shocking statement for Jesus to make given the, the context <clears throat> of what was happening. It's shocking but given the pain and the shame that he was undergoing. You know, the Romans designed crucifixion to intentionally be the most horrible way to die. To have such pain and yet to go for on and on for hours and hours. Some in the history books that they said some who were crucified in the Roman, the Roman way of crucifixion, it took them days to die. I think it has something to do with the fact that Jesus shed every ounce of blood that he died after six hours. But that was actually not the, the norm. People would sometimes be there for days in torture. So given that, that long, slow torture, and also the shame of it. The Bible talks about the shame of nakedness. The Bible says they stripped Jesus of all his clothing. He hung on the cross naked. It wasn't like the paintings where he had a loincloth. The shame of people watching you as you're hanging there naked. So Jesus enduring the pain and the shame. It was in the middle of that that he made this statement. Father, forgive them. To give more context to it, Jesus had been rejected all his life. When he was, before he was even born, while he was in the womb of Mary, the innkeeper denied there was no room at the inn. They didn't even have a place, they didn't even have a place to stay. 
Then King Herod said, kill him before he turns two years old. So they, he, tried to, he issued this edict. Thankfully, the Lord warned Joseph and Mary to get out of there. But he was rejected in the womb. He was rejected by having someone try to kill him before he turned two. Then when he's in, at trial, at the, his own countrymen, the Jewish leaders, falsely accused him. Then as he's taking the, the, taking the cross, you know, carrying it and hanging on the cross, the crowd jeered and mocked him and shouted at him. And it's in the middle of that. They weren't weeping for him. I know Mary was weeping, most likely. But, but the crowd, by and large, was shouting at him, cursing him. Some were spitting at him as he was coming up there. It's in that context Jesus said, Father, forgive them. That's just, it, it's such a, like Kyle said, he's so whole in how he responded. It's challenging to me that I would respond anywhere near that kind of way. It's, it's paragraph B here. It says, it's, it's, an, it's an unusual thing to forgive someone who's torturing you. It's not natural in fact, you would even, could even say it's supernatural to forgive someone in the, with, in the midst of that kind of, of attack. I mean, the natural man, the natural me, uh, I'm just being given an example. If I'm driving along Mopac and somebody cuts me off and I have to swerve just to not, my first response isn't, Father, forgive them, <laughs> for they know not. It's not. It's not the natural Okay, I mean, that's just cutting off on a highway. You know, I'm thinking, where's a, where's a cop when you need him? Of course, when I'm driving badly and breaking the law, I'm thinking, oh, I hope there's not a cop around. <laughs> right. Can I be honest up here? All right, good. Kind of sitting, sitting helps me be honest and just talk to you. Like, hey, I mean, he's having them do all that to him, and he's like, Wow. And we don't, shouldn't just look at that <clears throat> and say, wow, he's, that's Je but that's Jesus. It's no, Christ is in you right now if you're a Christian. And so there's, there's potential, there's power available for us to walk in that kind of forgiveness that Karen talked about. To walk in that kind of love, being shouted at, yet, yet loving back. So... Um, his response obviously impressed Peter. Look in your notes there, 1 Peter 2, 23. <clears throat> later on, Peter wrote this. Peter was watching it. Uh, later on, he wrote, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. J.C. Ryle, the English theologian, said, These words were probably spoken while our Lord was being nailed to the cross, or as soon as the cross was reared up on its end. It is worthy of remark that as soon as the blood of the great sacrifice began to flow, the great high priest began to intercede. Something else that's important here <clears throat> is when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, he's using the present continuous action. He's saying it's, it's as if to say not just once, 
but repeatedly. Father, forgive them and keep forgiving them. What did he tell Peter? What do I pray? Do I forgive them seven times? Right? Seventy times seven. It's a continuous action <clears throat> of forgiveness. Maybe while he was being whipped. You know, the, the Jewish law was you can only flog someone or whip them 40 times. But these were Romans. These were Roman soldiers. There was a group of them around Jesus flogging him, whipping him on his back. And they, I don't think they just went, okay, it's 40. They were trying to beat him within an inch of his life. Maybe with every whip on his back, he was thinking and praying, Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. Maybe. Maybe as they were stripping of him of his clothes, Father, forgive him. Nailing his, I say his wrists because you, you couldn't put the spikes in the hands or it wouldn't work. You had to put them in the wrist between the wrist bones. Maybe as they were, <clears throat> each time he was forgiving them and continuing to forgive them. As I said, his first statement was a prayer from the cross. He wasn't praying for himself. Oh, God, take me out of this. He was praying for us. Father, forgive them. As I'm talking right now, just let this be a window into the heart of the one who died for us. And if you're here today or listening and you haven't come to him and given your life to him, it's a good day to do it. Because you're seeing how much he wants to forgive of sin. His first statement was a prayer. He entered his, the reason I want to say that is because Jesus entered his suffering staying connected with the Father. And that's a lesson for me. When I'm being, when I'm being persecuted or I'm in a hard trial or I'm being, you know, I'm in a, a suffering situation, do I stay connected with the Lord or do I go into complaining? What a lesson. Do I whine or do I worship? Do I blame or do I bless? Do I blame God? Do I blame other people? Or do I bless those who spitefully use me or come against me? Now, when I say bless, I'm not saying you're, you're endorsing their sin. Like Ed Silvoso, when he was he's an Argentinian pastor, he said, Pray, prayer walk your city, or, or guys, prayer walk your school. Say, Lord, bless these teachers, bless these students. You're not saying bless their sin. You're saying, Lord, encounter them with your goodness so they come into their full destiny. Okay, so you bless. <laughs> you, do I blame, though? You play the, I mean, we all can do it. Blame game or bless? Wine or worship? Do I quit on God or do I quietly endure what's happening? Jesus quietly endured. We just read that. Challenges that aren't designed to condemn us, but to spur us on to say, Lord, fill me with the heart of Jesus. And fill me with this compassion. Fill me with your spirit so that I can do this. 
The uh, thoughts here that I have also is why did Jesus say this? Why did Jesus say, Father, forgive them? Well, I'd say there's two reasons. The first thing is it's why he came. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to earth to forgive sinners. So that's why he said it. The second is because man's need of forgiveness is our greatest need. We need to, to be forgiven. Have you all ever had a time where you knew you, you, met, you did somebody wrong and you were like, I've got to beat a path to their door and ask their forgiveness? And you're like, I can't wait. I've got to. I've got to get there. And then once they forgive you, it's like, ah. Oh. Now, some of you, your relatives have passed on. And you can't go do that right now. But it's, it's the idea, though, that, that the, the peace that comes when we receive forgiveness. So right out of the gate, Jesus is saying, uh, I want to release this forgiveness. I came for this, and I'm wanting to meet your greatest need to be forgiven. Maybe you're here today, and you're, you're anxious. There's something stirring in you. Well, maybe it's because you need to either go to someone or need to go to God. I had a picture during worship of, like I used to, back in the old days, we had IOUs. Do you all know what IOUs are? Little paper things, okay. Uh, well, I just picture us, a forgiveness is tearing up the IOUs. It's deleting. Y'all ever drafted a really hard email going, all right, I'm going <laughs> to... All right, it's late. I think I'm going to put it in the draft. And you wake up. Is that only me? Okay, y'all can look at me. <laughs> forgiveness is delete the draft. I don't really know what I wrote. It was three pages of... <laughs> but guess what? I've been forgiven. So I should forgive. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Real quick, the second part of this, Luke 23, 34. This statement is widely misunderstood by much of the church. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. This was not saying that people infer from this that forgiveness, God's forgiveness is automatic for everyone. That's not the case. God's forgiveness, ignorance is not innocence. He's not saying, oh, y'all just don't know about, you don't know what you're doing of any, of any kind. He's saying, he's saying you, forgiveness, ignorance does not equal innocence. Just try speed. I'm, I'm in my car illustrations today, getting cut off. And, all right, let's say, we're going down, let's say we're going down by the Y and Oak Hill and we're driving 71 miles an hour. All right? And the policeman pulls you over, says, <clears throat> did you realize how fast you were going? Yeah, yeah, 71. The, the sign said 71. Uh, <clears throat> that's Highway 71. It's not the speed limit 71. Well, I just didn't know. Well, he'll say, okay, uh, thank you very much. 
You didn't know, but you still broke the law. So Jesus is not giving everybody an ollie ollie oxen free. I forgive anybody. They didn't forgive them. They didn't know. No, in fact, that Jesus was speaking to Jewish people, they totally knew about sin. They knew about sacrificing lambs. Because even on that very day was Passover. And so the sound of thousands of lambs being sacrificed was in the echoing in the distance because the lamb had to be sacrificed to cover sin for a temporary amount of time. So they knew what sin was. What Jesus was saying, for they know not what they do, two things. They don't know the identity of who they're crucifying, that, he's the, that I am the Messiah. It's that they rejected who, that Jesus as, as God come in the flesh. They didn't know his, the identity of him, and they didn't know the enormity of their sin. Worship team, if you y'all can come up right now. <clears throat> and those who are going to be giving the, out the, the elements. They didn't know those two, uh, those two things. So Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know the identity. Acts 13, 27. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. They didn't recognize him. And then they didn't know how bad it was to put God's son on the... Sorry I took your stool. I needed a little higher. I didn't... Are you okay? You good? They didn't know the enormity of their sin. 1 Corinthians 2.8 says, None of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The truth is most of the world is ignorant of who Jesus is. They don't know who he is. The closest thing they get to Jesus saying Jesus is profanity. They don't recognize him as Lord. They don't realize how big it is to reject Jesus. But he's their only hope. Some don't recognize Jesus because they don't think they have to. You ever heard anybody give the excuse, well, what about all the people in the world who never heard? Well, I think God's big enough to handle that. But you know, what are you going to do with Jesus? People are desperate right now. We, God wants to prepare us who are believers today with the preparation of the gospel that brings them peace. Let's stand up if you would, Julia. So don't deflect and use this as an excuse that, that, well, what about all the people who haven't heard? Acts uh, 17.30 says, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent. So if you've never repented and given your life to Jesus, I encourage you to give your life to Jesus today. Jesus prayed for you on the cross. Today you can be the answer to his prayer. As we prepare to receive communion, 
want to share one more thing to give us assurance. Not only for those of you who don't know the Lord and today you want to come to him, receive his forgiveness, but whatever need you have, let this give you confidence today. Jesus, when he shed his blood, he shed his blood seven times to completely and utterly fulfill what the Old Testament priest did to atone for sin. Leviticus says he sprinkled, Leviticus 4, 16 and 17, says he sprinkled, the high priest would sprinkle blood seven times. And then Hebrews, the New Testament, says Jesus is now our high priest after better things. Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. It's perfectly perfect. He shed blood seven times to completely match and fulfill what the Old Testament high priest did. Let's look at these seven real briefly. They're up on one slide. Seven times he shed blood. First, he sweated drops of blood in the garden. The scriptures are up there. They're in your notes. Then... He released blood a second time. They struck him in the face with their fists and with rods. Third, they flogged him with a Roman scourge. Fourth, his beard was plucked out by the roots, and he released blood a fourth time. Fifth, thorns were pressed in his scalp, the crown of thorns, and he released blood a fifth time. Sixth, they drove spikes in his wrists and his feet, and he released blood a sixth time. But there was still blood in his body, and he hadn't sprinkled blood seven times yet. So as he hung on the cross after he died, the Roman soldiers were checking, and they thrust a spear in his side, and water and blood came out, and he released blood a seventh time. The sacrifice is complete. Jesus is alive today to take whatever need you have, social, physical, financial, mental. Let's examine our hearts now. Paul says in Corinthians to examine yourselves before you take the bread and the cup. So I'll just say this as you're there before you come and get the bread and cup, Lord, anything that I've done or said, any way I've acted, any action, I ask you to forgive. I want to receive your prayer to the Father that you would forgive me. Anyone not not knowing you yet, Jesus, who's convicted today, may they say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. Come and live in me. The rest of my days, I want to live for you. And now I come to the communion table. 
as an act of faith to receive the perfect sacrifice. In Jesus' name. All right, would you, we have four stations, one up here, one back there, one there, one over here. You can come and go up and thank you. Go up and receive. And we're going to take it together before we receive couple of other directions I, I feel the Lord wants me to, <clears throat> to share. The second statement Jesus made from the cross was after the three hours of darkness where he said, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you rejected me? Jesus, Jesus was illustrating that he took on whatever rejection you are feeling today. He took it in his own body on the cross that Ephesians 1 verse 6 says, we are now accepted in the beloved. So as you, before you receive communion, as we pray in just a moment, I believe the Lord wants some of you to settle an issue with, re, with being rejected. And you're still kind of dealing with that. <clears throat> Give the rejection that you feel from them over to the cross and by faith receive full acceptance. I also believe the Lord wants to heal fractures. Hairline fra the words hairline fracture came to my mind. We're going to have a time of healing here after, after we receive, but let's take the bread now. Paul says in Corinthians, on the night <clears throat> in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is the body, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. Let's take the bread. Your body was broken that we could be healed. I pray for the healing of bodies right now, for the removal of pain, for the icy hot of your spirit, Lord. And on the same night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of me. He said, take and drink the cup for the remission of your sins. Let's take the cup. You're forgiven. I'm going to say to somebody here, you are forgiven it's over you don't have to replay it it's not even on his screen anymore would you sing would y'all sing this just, just let him wipe it clean
come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.